Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome to Futures Focus, a podcast brought to you by Prospects 1500, and it's been a while, it's been a long time, but my man, David Gasper, co-host of the podcast, is joining me, by the way, my name is Alex Sanchez, but that's not important, David Gasper is back, (laughs) hooray, hooray, I am back, yeah, a couple couple weeks off, I had a uh, a trip, you know, a little, little vacation, uh, Got to check out the Nashville Sounds. Got to actually, we were also down in Florida earlier in the week, um, and it's just like, hey, like, what are we gonna, like, what are we gonna do? And we were in Clearwater. It's like, hey, why don't we go to a Clearwater Threshers game? As I took on the Tampa Tarpons, so we took in another baseball game. I don't know how to take a vacation without going to see a baseball game, Alex. It might be a problem. Um, well, to some people, it might be a problem. To me, that just sounds like common sense. But right. what kind of uh, scouting reports do you have from us from the game? What did you what inside scoop can you give us? Well, let's see. Um, Jason Dominguez had a very tough game. Uh, the Martian, he had a tough go of it down there. Uh, I think it was 0 for 5, like three K's. Um, so was not looking good for him there. But I did get to see uh, who's catch here. Antonio Gomez. Um, yeah, he's the, the catcher down there for Tampa. He has a cannon for an arm, um, that I can confirm. Um, I know he's been given what, like a 70 grade arm by some scouts. So I can confirm that that is legit. Um, so I was able to see that from, uh, the game down there in Clearwater. And then, uh, later in the week in the, in the weekend, the Nashville sounds invited me down, um, to, to Nashville, to first horizon park to catch the, the weekend game there, games there against the Charlotte Knights. Uh, Charlotte Knights don't have much for prospect talent. It's your White Sox system. Uh, but Johnny Cueto was there. Uh, he does not have prospect eligibility, though. Uh, he's just getting ramped up for the season. But with what I saw from the Brewer side, Ethan Small, five strong innings. Had a, had a few walks, but uh, overall looking good, as advertised with, with uh, Ethan Small. Efficient. Stuff was nasty. Love to see it. Bryce Terang, a shortstop prospect, also had a five-for-five day. Uh, He's just locked in at the plate. He's hitting the ball uh, extremely well right now. You know, not even just, you know, when I was down there, but uh, overall on the season as a 22-year-old in AAA, Terang is hitting 286 with a 784 OPS, three homers, seven doubles. Um, He's hitting the ball extremely well. Uh, He's pretty locked in, so... Uh, it was a great weekend in Nashville, and if you ever get a chance, even if you don't care about the Brewer system or whoever those sounds are, are playing, go check out a game at First Horizon Park and the Nashville Sounds. It is one of the most beautiful ballparks in the country. Um, it is it is fantastic. You got the view of downtown Nashville in the background. The weather was incredible. They got the band box out in right field. It's just a party over there. Um, it's It's a fantastic place to take in a ball game. Uh, really, really beautiful ballpark. And we might be seeing Bryce Terang pretty sh- uh, shortly here. Do you have some breaking yeah. news? Yeah, yeah. So as as we're recording this here on Sunday, um, Willie Adamas just took a very awkward slide into home play right before we started recording here. Um, he is. It looks like he is staying in the game as of right now, but that ankle, you know, he kind of rolled it a little bit on the slide. It looked pretty awkward, um, but we will see what happens there and, and have to see what happens with Adamus's ankle. Uh, but if he's out for a period of time, you know, he's still currently playing on it, but if he's out for a period of time, um, Terang should be the guy who gets the call. Yeah. But going back to the minor league trip that you took, I mean, I, I tell this to a bunch of people that, uh, you know, they're casual baseball fans and, and they don't want to, you know, go into a baseball game in the big leagues. I went to the Braves Dodgers, both of those two games, went to a Giants Dodger game. And it's taking you back two hundred, three hundred dollars when you, you do parking and the food you have to buy to get even a halfway decent seat. 
Meanwhile, you know, you go to a minor league game, you get, you just got to know the players. That's the only homework you sort of have to do. Once you get to know who the, the guys to look for, you're getting, you know, 10 to $15 seats. Someday, you know, we have uh, in Lake Elsinore, you know, $2 Tuesday nights and, and all sorts of crazy promotions. And you can literally sit front row. So, and it, it was dollar beer night down in uh, Clearwater. Yeah, I mean, we were there, and I think it was like dollar tickets or something like that, or two dollars, like depending on where it was, like dollar berm seats, I think. We had a a promo where they were like, if we get voted for the best stadium in California, then we'll give away free hot dogs on Friday night. And I'm like, that's just like, I don't think that's happening at the at Dodger Stadium or in Milwaukee or anything anytime soon. But I mean, the craziest thing though is like, you know, you go to a a game in Clearwater and you run into a buddy from college up in Wisconsin. It's like, wait a minute, what are you doing down here? What are the chances of that? I know it was the strangest thing. Well, it was amazing. David, it's it's good to have you back, Miss Jeff. Good to be um, back. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. What the main idea of our podcast episode here today is trying to reformulate the top ten list for prospects because if you were to go to almost any site, it could be our site, it could be your favorite non-prospects fifteen hundred site. Um, I would say 80% of the top 10 is AAA or in the major leagues right now. And Mm -hmm. that doesn't really help a lot of us here in Dynasty Leagues because these guys, they're literally probably at the peak of their value right now. Either just getting called up or about to get called up and you're not going to be able to acquire them. So we're going to take a look at a top 10 list of AA players and below. So you cannot be above AA to be on this list. You've compiled a list. I've compiled a list. I even got some of our prospect 1500 writers to give me some of their top 10 lists. And it's quite interesting because if we do a top 10 list right now of prospects, it's going to be very similar. But if we do a top 10 AA or below, we get some names on here that are pretty wild. And I'm going to share with you some of those. But before we do, we do have a lot of news to get to today, um, including what I wanted to lead off, which was uh, George Kirby being called up Mm. and sort of dominating in his first appearance looked really really good and then just yesterday coming out uh, not as good but certainly not a disaster what do you think George Kirby was it about the right time for him to get called up and how excited are you among some of the other elite pitching prospects for George Kirby yeah I mean he's someone that you know clearly in his first start he showed okay you know looks like he's uh he's ready to go um, but yeah, I think it was, did, did he take the rotation spot of Matt Brash? Yeah. He, cause yeah. Brash got sent down, which is another news we could kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Down. I mean, it, it kind of all goes together. It's the Mariners. Yeah. Brash was struggling, uh, there. So they call up Kirby. Um, and he's obviously going, going pretty well here through his first two starts. Um, so, you know, clearly he seems. He seems ready. I mean, he was only in double A, so I mean, he's completely skipping triple A Tacoma. Um, but I mean, he's a very, very talented arm. Um, he's someone that, that I'm excited about. I know the, the Mariners are excited about. And, um, you know, is he going to stay up? You know, he's probably going to I don't know if he's if he's ready to stay up. Yeah, I mean, he's 24 yeah. already, though. You know, he was a college guy, but. You know, is he going to go back down for a little bit, still get some more seasoning? You know, I, I think it's just going to depend on, you know, if he runs into a, a couple of rough things here. Because, I mean, now MLB hitters are going to have a little bit of film on him. They kind of know what, what he's doing. You know, it's not just going to be his debut. They haven't seen anything above double A, so they may not, may not have good looks at him. Now they're going to, and, you know, perhaps as time goes on, they're going to get uh, good looks at him and at his stuff, and that might change things. But I like Kirby. Uh, I think he's a, a really, really good pitcher um, and and someone that's going to be a big part of the Mariners rotation going forward. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right in that there is a good chance that he gets, you know, set down if things don't go well. I think the Mariners are really trying to make that leap this year. But mm-hmm. if he continues to pitch like he did in that first start, there's, you know, he's not going anywhere soon. And you make a good point. 24 years old, you kind of forget about that since he is a prospect that, you know, this is about the time he needs to make it up and and you're getting the best prime years out of him here, 25, 26, 27. Let's get started right now. So um, a lot of people think Kirby is the best pitching prospect on the Mariners. Um, Logan Gilbert kind of has beaten him to the majors and and done some crazy things this year. So uh, take that for what you will. I think, you know, 
this or that doesn't really matter. They're all really, really good. And even Mike, uh, Matt Brash, you know, don't give up on him. I think um, they were, I think they were a little quick to pull the trigger there, but he was pretty horrendous, but we don't need to talk about Brash in too much detail um, <laughs> for now until he gets kind of the call back up. He might even be a bullpen piece for this year, which makes a lot of sense. So um, don't yeah. sell. Well they also sent Kelnick down. I mean, I know, I know he's no longer has prospect status, but I mean, what is going on with Kelnick? Yeah, it's been a long time now. And um he still hasn't been able to figure it out in dynasty leagues. You know, um, his prospect eligibility has been long extinguished and you can't Mm -hmm. really send him down. I bet in a lot of leagues, you got a decision to make with him. Uh, It's so hard to so easy to say, you know, I see a lot of people there. Oh, hold on Kelnick, hold on Kelnick. But what if you're, you know, a competing team, you had him in your spot. Now he's just going to sit on your bench the whole year instead of going to the minors. It's a decision you're going to have to make. Um, I'm sure there's some people in your league that probably still believe in him, but man, it's, it's a, the worst time to sell on him if you actually somehow oh, yeah. believe in him. So, um, but I wanted some feel-good news as well with another call-up with a prospect that is off to a fantastic start so far. Now, granted, it's been 29 plate appearances, but that is former number one overall pick Royce Lewis, who had to obviously overcome a major injury in 2020. We haven't seen uh, a lot of him recently. 2022 Ghana uh, in AAA was just dominant. I mean, 17 walks to 20 strikeouts, uh, eight stolen bases. So the the leg is good to go. Comes up, hits a grand slam in his first couple of games here. Um, Royce Lewis again. Twins, Twins. I'm. They're almost like the Mariners. I don't know exactly what the Twins are doing. I mean, they're technically winning some ball games here, um, but. Their team doesn't look that great if you look at their team. So I, I don't know. What are your thoughts on Royce Lewis going forward? Is he here for good now? Um, I mean, this is this is a lot of fantasy goodness if he can stay up and produce like this. Right. Yeah. I mean, the the issue with him staying up permanently is Carlos Correa. I mean, he came up because Correa had that a uh, finger injury. Um, that he had like hit on the hand or something, had a broken finger or something like that, or close to it. I don't, I don't know. But he was hurt, so they called up Lewis. Um, and now Lewis is is hitting well and. I mean, when you got Correa fully healthy and Lewis fully healthy, you know, who's who's going to play shortstop? I mean, obviously, Correa's going to play shortstop. So, you know, where where do you put in Lewis? You know, how do you fit him on the on the rest of the roster? Do they continue to keep him up? You know, do they put him back down so he can get regular at-bats? Um, I mean, he's hitting extremely well. You know, certainly can't complain uh, with a 310 average through 29 at-bats um, and a grand slam. Cannot complain about that. So... You know, it's just a matter of him getting the opportunity. Um, and if the opportunity for regular at-bats are there, yeah, there's plenty of, of fantasy goodness to be had here. But there's also Carlos Correa. Yeah. And, again, Twins are, like, in first place or, or floating around there. And, granted, the White Sox have underperformed. But when you take a look at this Twins team, it's, it is hard to find a spot for him. You're going to have, you know, his possibilities are kind of blocked by Polanco at second. Urshela at third seems pretty locked in there. Correa went Plus, you got Jose back. Miranda. Uh, and then, yeah, Miranda's playing first. Uh, they sent down Karoloff, and Larnick has been hurt. You figure they want to get those guys some playing time. Buxton's not going anywhere in center. Uh, Max Kepler in right. And then maybe a DH spot. Maybe a DH Larnick or something, and then put Royce in the outfield. It's just a little bit complicated to get him into the lineup once everybody's healthy. But a good problem to have. Uh, definitely a guy that I think a lot of people don't fully understand. Royce Lewis has 25, possibly even 30 homer potential with 30 home, uh, stolen bases as well if everything goes right. So don't forget, number one overall pick. I'll go. I remember back when he was picked, it, it wasn't the consensus number one, but still a number one overall pick, 2017. Yep. It's been a while, and he didn't. You know, we, we can't forget this part. I, I love Royce Lewis a lot, but to play a devil's advocate, he hasn't had that breakout season in the minors at all. So um, we don't know if he can sustain this for a long period of time. A lot of disappointing years, 2018, um, you know, 2019 sub 260 batting average, even the on-base percentage was quite poor. He had that fall league where he kind of shelled out. Then he got hurt. 2019 wasn't off to a good start in 2019 as well. So there's some question marks here. Don't go too crazy on Royce Lewis yet. Um, but certainly a very feel-good story, and those are always nice to have. Um, speaking of another guy who got demoted, C.J. Abrams, my rookie mm. of the year, was demoted and proceeded to hit like eight home runs in two days in the in AAA. So um, sad to see the Padres uh, 
demote him, but they he they just wasn't getting enough playing time. Like, yeah, he, he didn't even have a chance. And I'm a little nervous that they've kind of ruined him <laughs> in a way. But well, now they've got Robbie Cano, so everything's fine over there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a, yeah, super Padres excited for that, very, aren't you? Yeah, the, well, the Padres are very uh, quick to the trigger this year, and they have been for the last couple of years, right? If you're if you don't produce in a week or two, like changes get made real quick. And yeah. um, Abrams is an example of that. Uh, man, buy, buy, buy for wherever you can get him. He just wasn't ready. I mean, if Tatis was not hurt, we don't see this guy possibly for the entire year, you know. And then here he mm-hmm. is starting meaningful games at the beginning of the season. So don't give up on him. He is not like what Kelnick was when he when Kelnick was struggling. Um, he just clearly wasn't ready. It wasn't even fair to, I think, in a, a lot of ways to put him in. Um, so. Be careful with that. <laughs> yeah. Go speaking. Go speaking of Padres' uh, top prospects, how about Mackenzie Gore, man, starting the season off strong after all his struggles for the past what two years or so, starting off strong in his first five games. Yeah, it's it's amazing and it's a good reminder that once you get that control and the command um, locked in. If you had the stuff, right, you're going to see huge results. And he always had the stuff, right? We never were doubting the stuff with Mackenzie Gore. It was, could he command and control his pitches? And yes, he has figured something out. He's controlled that leg kick. I think that leg kick is really what got us so excited about him at the beginning because it showed how athletic he was. But it also was oh, going to be hard to repeat and be consistent with your mechanics. And as you, you as a pitcher, you could probably attest to this more than and I can like repeating your delivery is so important. And when it's that crazy, like it was to just lower that leg kick just slightly has been producing some great results. Now, Padres, we can talk about the twins being crowded. The Padres rotation is yeah. quite crowded with Mike Clevenger coming back. Blake Snell's going to be coming back. Musgrove, Darvish. I mean, they've they got a loaded, loaded rotation. They're already doing a six man. Um, I could see Mackenzie Gore kind of being either put to the bullpen, which I would hate to see, but I wouldn't put it past the Padres and also being just sent down, even though the results have been great. So careful with that. But man, it's been amazing to see how many people are now back in on Mackenzie Gore, huh? Yeah, it's crazy. It's almost like, you know, giving up on a 23 year old third overall pick. And that 2017 draft class was, you know, maybe not a, maybe not the wisest move to, to give up on him that early. So it's just, you know, he, how do we know the difference between Mackenzie Gore and Forrest Whitley? Yeah, that's so hard. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is very tough. But, you know, yeah, if you can make some of those mechanical changes and really kind of figure some things out, uh, you can have a lot of su- success. You know, I could even point to um, I know this is going to be another Brewers example, but Corbin Burns back in 2019 when he stunk it up, he couldn't he couldn't do anything right in 2019. The stuff we never questioned, but he just couldn't locate, couldn't command, couldn't control, and he gave up a whole bunch of homers. And so what he did, you know, when it came to his mechanics and the things he changed there, he completely eliminated the windup. He just goes out of stretch, just simplified everything. You know, he had so many inconsistencies there with that, with that windup and going back and forth. And he just simplified it, eliminated those, those inconsistencies and look where he is now. Yeah. Perhaps the lesson here is that with command and control problems when the stuff is there, looking for those mechanical adjustments behind, uh, behind the scenes, and then also keying in on once they make that mechanical adjustment. And you'll have to speak about Corbin Burns for this after um, I speak about Mackenzie Gore, right? The results did not immediately follow. He definitely showed really, if you just looked at the stat line, not a lot of intel that he would be this good in the major league. So it takes some time. But that's something that you're not going to find in a stat line. That's something that you're going to have to, you know, rely on us because we're awesome or do a little bit of homework on your own to see kind of these mechanical adjustments. So I bring that question back to you. Did uh, Corbin Burns see results right away with that adjustment once he went into the windup uh, from the windup to the stretch or did it take some time? Um, it was actually pretty much like uh, right away. Cause, I mean, it was, it was 2019. You know, he had all the struggles in the offseason season. Uh, he did, you know, he completely reworked his mental routine. He added the cutter. He did, you know, the he eliminated the windup, made all these changes that offseason, came into spring training, was looking pretty good. Then, you know, obviously 2020 got had the whole shutdown then had to ramp things back up. But um, pretty much like 
early in the 2020 season, uh, he was showing really good results and, and pitching incredibly well. And he ended up in that shortened season finishing six in the Cy Young. So it was a pretty quick um, turnaround once he did figure that out and get it going. But keep in mind, Burns also had a year previously in the big leagues in 2018 uh, where he was pitching out of the bullpen. So he had a bit more experience, you know, being up there first um, and then having the struggles and, the, and then trying to bounce back. Whereas Gore didn't reach the big leagues quite yet. You know, he, he wasn't, um, he wasn't there quite yet. Yeah. Interesting to keep in mind. We got to use the past and, and data we have in the past to, to hopefully make good decisions going forward. So um, look for that. Those, those pitching prospects are so tricky. You got to be very careful. Um, let's go. We're doing a lot of news and notes and I understand that, but I feel like it's a lot of good conversation to have about this particular pieces of information. Um, and there, so let's do a rapid fire um, kind of quick, news and notes here as we finish up and then we'll continue on to the top 10 prospects lists um alec thomas got promoted and he's been off to a fantastic start hit a home run um i mean he probably could have made the big league roster out of camp especially when you look at the arizona roster so um, i'm assuming he's going to be up i think you have a nice rookie of the year candidate right here in alec thomas if he continues it um, moving forward uh, especially with cj abrams being sent down so um Alec Thomas also keeping things um, ready for Corbin Carroll, who seems to be on his way up, but more on Corbin Carroll later. Alec Thomas, uh, just a quick synopsis on what you think to expect with him for this year and maybe beyond. Yeah, I mean, Thomas is, you know, really uh, talented here. I mean, he's someone who can, you know, hit the ball extremely well, can steal bases, can, you know, get some home runs for you. Um, so he's really can can kind of be, you know, do it all fantasy uh, contributor there. So I'm excited for him. I mean, there's, you know, that outfield in Arizona, you know, there's, there's definitely a room for at bats for, for Thomas and then uh Carol coming up uh, a little bit later. So, you know, I'm excited for him. I think he probably should stay up the rest of the way. I mean, he's, he's pretty much there yeah, um, and there. ready. I mean, he, he was raking in triple a, you know, he's, he's pretty much ready to go. You know, I don't think there's much more development time he needs. He he seems ready. Uh, he's hitting the ball well to start. Um, and there's there's like no one like there's no one you know coming back from injury. It's like oh you know once he's back we got to push him back down. Like no, I think Thomas is up and I think he's going to be here to stay. Yeah, his uh, advanced metrics are very impressive, especially the K rate, which in the AAA, thirteen percent. And, uh, of course, that bumps up a little bit here in, in the big leagues, but still 17% shows you a lot for a rookie coming up that, you know, that's one of my biggest uh, factors in is a guy ready or not. You know, you might have some hard hit balls, but if you're striking out 35% of the time, you're not ready. Um, Alec Thomas certainly has a nice history of not striking out a lot, and he's continuing that. He's going to put the ball in play, you, you know, 40 homers, 30 homers, 25 homers, maybe not, but. He's going to be a really good player for you. That's not going to tank your team, I think, once he gets going here. So, um, And another guy that I wanted to talk about, a little bit more power with this guy, MJ Melendez, gets the call up. Not because Salvi was hurt, but because the backup was hurt. We talked about this really quickly but we got uh, last week, but we have some you know information about Melendez. Looks like he belongs. Um, not really the best behind the plate. Had some <laughs> miscues behind there, but who cares in Dynasty Leagues, right? We're not keeping track of catcher stats behind the dish. So uh, Melendez, uh, interesting. What do you think they're going to do with him going forward? That's really the question because uh, there's not a lot of places he could play, I don't think, right now. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's going to be a tough spot for him, especially with the extension for Salvador Perez. I mean, he's going to be around there for a while. So either he's going to be DHing or he's going to be at first base or something. But, I mean, even then, uh, don't think I had a – they got Prado coming up soon, don't they? Or is he already oh, and, there? And uh, Vinny as well. Oh, yeah, and, and Vinny Pasquantino, yeah. Yeah, he's probably so, past Prado at this point. So, yeah, first base is probably in the long term not going to be there. Uh, DH, though, I'd imagine you, uh, you could probably yeah. find some DH spots for him. I mean, uh, Ryan O'Hearn, Hunter Dozier, I mean, he's playing the outfield. So there's definitely some at-bats if you're willing to uh, maybe switch off um, switch off Melendez and Perez behind the plate and then designate it maybe every other day, get both of those bats in the lineup. That seems nice. 
Yeah, yeah, it certainly is a is a good problem to have, I guess, for for the Royals. Um, but for Melendez, I mean, it'd be it'd be much nicer if they were a clean fit. Um, but yeah, it, it's tough to see right now. Yeah. Hasn't been killing the ball either. Um, I mean, pretty good hard hit rate, but striking out 21% of the time. I mean, no homers, but still, it's going to be tough for him to, you got to make a decision. Either you're going to give him at-bats, I think, or you got to send him back down. I think they should just give him at-bats. I mean, the Royals aren't going anywhere. They they can't develop any pitchers. So just let Melendez and Salvi play every day. All right. Um, the last little piece is that uh, Riley Green. Um, has been cleared to kind of get back into some baseball activities, which is really Woo. good to hear. Um, Want to see him up sooner rather than later. Um, him and Torque, I think Torque misses his buddy. I think Torque, once Riley Green comes up, Torque will, will get back uh, to being what we want him to be. That's my prediction. Yeah, I mean, that that would certainly be nice for uh, for the Tigers and Tigers fans. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm excited to to see Green coming back. I, I have him in uh, – Chappie's prospect challenge uh, over there. So I am eagerly awaiting his return and Adley Rutschman's uh, return. Uh, I'm very much uh, waiting for those guys to be fully healthy and ready to go up to the big leagues. Um, But yeah, so very good to see for green. He probably would have made the opening day roster if it weren't for this foot injury. Um, But, you know, now he's finally on the mend and uh, ready to go. Yeah, we got some prospects still to be called up. I mean, now we're on Grayson Rodriguez watch. Like you said, we got Adley Rutz, Rutschman watch. We're going to have a Riley Green, maybe even a Corbin Carroll watch. I mean, we may have to have a Bryce Terang watch uh, soon here as well. Right. Willie Adamas has left the game here. Um, uh, oh, there you go. With an injury. That ankle so. could swell up later, too. So, yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, like this, is, I'm just reacting in real time here. So, like, I that's just that's something is. I'm keeping an yeah. eye on. Beautiful. I love it. So, uh, again, uh, some other guys, too, to keep an eye on. Max Meyer um, also potentially getting called up with some injuries in the Marlins uh, uh, rotation with Lazardo. Kind of didn't want to see that for Lazardo, but that does mean we'll probably (laughs) see one of these guys getting called up soon. Maybe even Yuri. Yuri, maybe this year. Who knows? Probably not Sixto Sanchez, though. (laughs) No. (laughs) Probably. No, we will not. But uh, let's go ahead and take a break. And when we get back, we will discuss our top 10 double A and under. This is going to be really interesting. I don't, uh, you know, I haven't seen a lot of uh, publications update their lists yet because, you know, still they're technically prospect eligible here for maybe a couple more days slash weeks for a lot of these guys. But let's just remove Wit and let's remove Julio. Like those guys are not prospects now. We got to figure out who the new top 10 is, and maybe you can get ahead of your league mates and figure that stuff out. So, Futures Focus, my name is Alex Sanchez, David Gasper. We'll be right back after this. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. We're back. Futures Focus here with you. My name, Alex Sanchez, David Gasper joining me, and we are into the top 10 prospects list with the catch that they cannot be in the big leagues and they cannot be in triple A. They have to be double A or lower. So um, that's the rules, if you will. Um, I was, you know, I, I, I asked some of our writers to send me their lists and we'll go over them too here in a second. Um, like I was mentioning earlier in the podcast, there's going to be a lot of differences of opinion here. 
you're getting some guys that, you know, do you believe in their low A numbers, you know, or are you believing in their age despite struggles at double A? I'm looking at you, Anthony Volpe. Um, there's a <laughs> lot to go over here. Um, pitching prospects, you know, it's it's really easy for you to put Grayson Rodriguez in the top 10 spot because, you know, like he's done everything. But are you willing to put one of those guys that, you know, just got drafted into there, like a Kyle Harrison or, or something like that? I mean, Jack Leiter is kind of a, an exception. We'll see if if he makes your top 10 list, which I'm guessing you probably did. Um, but let's go over. Uh, let's go over our list. What we'll do here is we'll kind of go. Uh, we'll go from 10 to one. How about that? That's nice. Keep the suspense up. OK. And uh, I'll give my 10th guy and then you can give yours and we'll go down the line like that. We won't spend too much time on this. I mean, these are big names still. There's no doubt. It's not like, well, at least I can speak for my list. Um, you know, these guys, if you're listening to this podcast, for sure. Um, but you might not think that they're, you know, necessarily this high in a top 10 list. So I'm very interested to hear your list. But uh, I start my number 10 off with Nick York, infielder for the Boston Red Sox. Um, just hasn't done anything bad ever yet in his professional career in a good organization um lots of talent around him uh, you know i would imagine by the time he gets up um great batted ball profiles not striking out a ton um this year he is hitting you know 255 not the greatest but last year was such a fantastic year um and, and everything else besides that average looks really really good so i got nick york at 10 all right well you know, I was between uh, two guys for my final spot in my top 10, um, but I knew the second guy is definitely going to be somewhere in your top 10. Um, and, of course, you know I'm talking about Michael Harris. Um, but coming in at number 10 then for me, I'm going to go with Joey Weimer, who is continuing to dominate in double A. He's hitting 290. He's got a 923 OPS. He just hit his seventh home run yesterday, and it was an absolute mammoth shot to the apartments across the street from MGM Park in Biloxi. Uh, he is just knocking the cover off the ball. He's also got six stolen bases, 12 doubles. Um, he has just been lighting it up. He's been doing everything that he's been continuing everything from last year. Uh, down in a ball and now doing it in double a uh, which is an incredible sign and it's just only pushing his stock up even further um, that that he is you know just a dominant hitter um, that can hit for average and hit for power and he's got speed as well so uh, it pushes him up and especially since we're taking out all of triple a and mlb it pushes him up to, to number 10 for me what's interesting is before we made this podcast here this morning i actually traded Joey Weimer away. Can you believe it? Yeah, to me. <laughs> or is this well, a different league? This is a different league, yeah. I mean, oh, I literally okay. before we came on this podcast, it was an Austin Martin, Joey Weimer, and a couple picks for Grayson Rodriguez. That's how high Weimer has kind of gotten at this point. Yeah. Also, I want to thank you for uh, trading me Joey Weimer the other yeah, day in our league. league. Yeah, I mean, I got Kobe Mayo. It's not like I got ripped off. I'm very happy. And you need Oh, no, yeah. That, you know? And I also get a stud prospect, and it's Joey Weimer. Yeah, it's your guy. Yeah, and I, yeah. And I, I prefer. Which is why you offered him to me, I'm sure. Yeah, I prefer Mayo over Weimer, so it was it worked out for everybody. Yeah, win-win. And Mayo, they both actually proceeded to have huge weeks as soon as they got traded. We sparked them. Yep. All right. Um, number nine on my list. I actually have a pitcher. I have a pitcher. Oh. He's in my top ten, um, and that's because, to me, he's doing things that – only elite elite front of the rotation pitchers do and that is dominating at double a as a teenager you you see this at times with hitters and we get very excited about it i know where this is going we don't see it with pitchers very often and now granted if you look at the era you're probably thinking oh, is he dominating and then you look at the k's and then the innings pitched and it's 45 to 28 k's per innings pitched and then eight walks only Yuri Perez, my number nine prospect had to get him on there. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. It's uh he's been, he's been lining up and it's just absolutely insane what he's doing at his age. Yeah. Uh, you got to buy in uh, it's worth the risk. I mean, that's the rewards. They don't always line up, but I, I, I take the gamble on him, even if he never makes it, you know? Yeah. All right, for me at number nine, I am going out to the 
Rocky Mountains and the Rockies Ooh. and taking outfielder Zach Veen um, at number nine. He's doing well so far in high A, hitting 276 um, with a 376 on base percentage, you know, showing some extra base hit ability. Got 10 stolen bases already. So, you know, he's uh, he's doing well, doing solid, you know, everything you're really kind of, you know, expecting from a guy like Zach Veen. So uh, it's kind of continuing to, to tick up for him. And I got him at number nine. Yeah, Veen was very close. I probably have him at 11 or 12. He doesn't make my top 10, but totally get it, especially if you can stay in Colorado. There's going to be some really good yep. fantasy fantasy stuff there. Um, all right, I was actually a little surprised at my number eight guy. If you would have told me this maybe a month ago, I probably would not have even thought about it. Um, and I guess this means that my first-year player draft rankings would have to change because I have Jordan Lawler at number eight. And a lot of this comes from two main reasons. Number one, I was a little concerned about the shoulder injury, um, but he has proven that to be not an issue. And second, I did get to see him live, and he looked like he was the first, second, and third best player among everybody on the field. He is uh, hitting 370, uh, 337, six home runs, 16 stolen bases, 19 walks to 29 strikeouts, a little high, but, you know, Fantastic. I think he's my uh, number one to, uh, 2021 draftee. Yeah, that's good. Shortstop. I like it. You know, you know, I love my shortstops. So I do. Yeah, I do. All right, man. For uh, for number eight, for me, I am going with your number nine selection. I've got I've got Yuri Perez uh, slotted in at number eight on my top 10 because of everything you said about him. I don't okay. need to repeat it. We already know. Perfect. In that case, I will let you also give your seventh player. Oh, all right. Yeah. Well, in that case, um, I'm going to go with the Springfield Cardinals third baseman, Jordan Walker. Ooh, okay. um, 19 years old. He's in double A. And what's he doing? He's hitting a cool 333 with a 944 OPS, eight doubles, three homers, 10 stolen bases, 17 walks, 29 strikeouts. Um, he is dominating for all intents and purposes and again, 19 in double a, I will have Jordan Walker on this list a little bit higher up later on. So oh. very excellent choice. I think, again, you're starting to see that the youth versus the level of competition really influencing some of these decisions. And, um, uh, he's a perfect example of that. Um, I don't have a teenager next, but he is about as close as you can get to a teenager. He's a 20-year-old. Um, I don't want to say I'm a homer uh, because I think <laughs> the things that he's doing are fantastic. It is Robert Hassel III. He is, uh, you know, he's not being, he's not in double A. He is repeating the level technically, but man, what a performance he is putting on. 350, six home runs, already more than half of what he had all of last year. 13 stolen bases, hasn't been caught stealing once, 420 on base percentage. This is a guy that I just wanted to see a little tick in power. And with that, he's he's done everything. He will be a five-category monster if he continues in this path. And that's Robert Hassel. Imagine he's in double A very, very shortly. Yeah, I'm gonna go ditto here, man. At, at number six for me, I got Robert Hassel the third for all the reasons you just said. Yeah, I have a feeling some of these guys might start to repeat here next. So yep. uh, let, let's see. I got at number six, Noel V. Marte. Just because I think the name alone, I mean, we've we've had uh, our eye on him for quite a while now, it feels like. And, uh, you know, the numbers haven't been extraordinary. But, again, we consider age. We consider his potential ceiling. It's very, very exciting. So, and again, another shortstop. You're always going to get a boost for me when you're a shortstop and doing some crazy things. So, Noel Marte at six for me. Hmm. All righty. Um, coming in at number five for me, I am going with Henry Davis, the number one overall pick last year. Uh, hitting really well in AA Altoona. Uh, OPS over 1,000. Six homers, 24 RBIs, um, five stolen bases as well, which is uh, good to see, especially for a catcher. Um, so I'm really, uh, I'm like what I'm seeing so far from him. So I got Davis at number five. Yeah, with the DH too, I think that I'm going to have to sort of readjust my catcher ideas because 
he's going to probably play every single day one way or the other once he gets up yeah. here um, while also being a catcher eligible. So those, these guys might have flipped with this DH. I got to got to see if they are going to do this. They haven't really done it with the catchers in the big leagues yet. So I'm kind of hesitant. But yeah, if, if they do stuff like that, where like Melendez is DHing, but still catcher eligible, Davis comes up as catches, maybe does first, maybe does a Buster Posey, you know, kind of thing. Um, definitely would make my top 10 because he is off to a fantastic start already in double A. I'd love to see it. Um, still don't like how awkward he looks when he swings, but who cares if you're mashing baseballs, I suppose. If it works, it works, man. It works. Hunter Pence. Joey Weimer. Joey Weimer. Yeah. Joey Weimer gets a lot of Hunter Pence comps. Yeah. Well, when you look ridiculous, but, um, who cares? Again, we don't, we yeah. don't grade on the, the, how you look. We grade on the results. Mostly. Yeah. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, I got Jordan Walker at number five. We talked about him just fantastic. Now, um, I, I have Anthony Volpe at four, and I think a lot of people might have him at number two. And, um, and it's not like number four is a bad ranking, um, and he is off to a very, very bad start. And I'm not even really thinking about that number, the numbers he's putting up in AA right now. I'm just kind of going over with like what his potential ceiling could be in the big leagues. And I think, you know, we're going to get a little lack of, uh, of power as much as I would want like a top 10 prospect to be um, like when it's all considered. So uh, number four, still, I think very, very high ranking for him, but um, I'm not super all in on him. Um, as a, my prediction also stated, he would struggle this year in our uh, bold predictions piece. Remember that? Yeah. Full pain. Oh yeah. He's not, he's not doing too well. So he listens yeah. to me. Um, so I do have him at number four. Interesting. At number four for me, um, I've got Jordan Lawler, uh, who yeah. has just oh. been lighting it up for Visalia uh, in A ball this year. Uh, could have been potentially number one overall pick last year, but was not. Um, but for Visalia, hitting 337, OPS over 1,000 uh, again. Um, six home runs already and just over 100 at bats. Um, 19 walks, you know, 16 stolen bases as well. So he's uh, doing everything we were we were expecting, and uh, and then some, uh, hitting well, showing power, great speed, um, everything you you could be looking for in a shortstop. So he comes in at number four for me. So I'm assuming that he's uh, well. I don't. I guess I shouldn't fully assume, but is he your number one first year player draft player now? Then no, no. Okay. Wow. There you go. Well, that means you left somebody I really really like off of your top three. Um, which I probably could guess who it is. It's probably my number three player, um, and that is Michael Harris. We've talked about Michael mm. Harris a lot, and I still think that my bold prediction is going. I'm going to be nailing these bold predictions because I he might come up. <laughs> he might come up. Um, but anyway, Michael Harris, uh, you know, 22 on something like that on base streak, um, hitting the ball to the opposite field and hitting the ball hard. That is a great way to maintain a high batting average, which, you know, we, we don't always love batting averages here, but they are a category for a lot of us. And the power is going to come with that, the hard hit ball rate. He's got speed. He's going to play a premium center field. If you do, a, you know, individual outfield positions, that is going to be very valuable for you. So, yes, Michael Harris, number three for me. Probably not a surprise to you. Perhaps nope. surprise to other people that listen to this podcast. Uh, not as often as maybe they should. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, no, I'm not surprised by you putting uh, Harris all the way up there. I, I figured he, I figured he'd be on the, this list at some point. Mm -hmm. um, for me at number three, um, I'm going back to the first year player draft. I'm Marcella Meyer. Mm. Um, he's coming in. I mean, he's also hitting extremely well in a ball for Salem, hitting 328. Um, you know, got some extra base hits. You know, four stolen bases. Not dominating quite as much so far as uh, Lawler has been. Uh, but still, I mean, the upside and potential here is is huge. Um, so, I mean, this is someone that uh, is, is still going to be up there for me. Yeah, and I, I still like him a lot in uh, the real life. I think he is one of the safest minor league players that you can get at, uh, at for a 19-year-old. But I think Lawler's potential is uh, is probably a little bit higher, but a lot riskier, I would imagine, as well. Um, all right, that leaves us with our top two. I'm interested to see who you have at your top two, and we might have the same number one, I imagine. Um, why don't you do the honors? Who's who do you have at number two? All right, well, at number two, 
Um, I am going with Marco Luciano. Uh, a fine choice. Yep. Uh, he is hitting pretty well for uh, um, Eugene, hitting 306, 887 OPS, um, some home runs, you know, doing um, doing Marco Luciano things. I mean, this is all really kind of what we were expecting. You know, 20, 20 years old, still a young dude, um, playing in, in high A. So uh, he's someone that, you know, is continuing to, to trend up, and uh, he comes in at number two. Yeah. He's a definition of prospect fatigue in my mind, which is hard to do when you're 20 years old, but he is also my number two player. I'm still confident that he can play on the dirt somewhere, probably not short, but maybe third. And what's really encouraging is that like so many people lowered him in rankings, despite having a pretty fantastic 2021 season in low A as a 19 year old. I mean, you know, 18 home runs, 20, uh, 278 average um, and then had to jump up to a difficult level high a is a you know harder level and, and struggled with the strikeout rate what i'm very encouraged to see is that the strikeout rate has got under control at 21 percent now in 2022 if he doesn't strike out he hits the ball so damn hard that you're going to have fantastic results so um yeah i never really lowered him too far some people have a lot but uh yeah he's number two for me and i'm assuming that we have the same number one look at that yeah I am assuming so. Mr. Corbin Carroll. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it's not even close for me. He is clearly the number one prospect. Uh, we're getting Trey Turner type of production potential here from him, which would literally be, you know, two or three spots in the standings just by having that player, I imagine, uh, with the yeah. stolen base potential, the power, the average. Um, as, as a top five player in any league. I'm very, very excited. I'm so happy that the injury has not affected him um, because that was really we we got that taken from us last year to see because he was on a huge pace before the injury. And then he basically has continued the exact same pace this year. So your thoughts on Corbin Carroll? I'll give you the, the floor here. Yeah, I mean, he's just absolutely dominating. I mean, there, there's nothing to complain about here. Hitting 318 in double A. Um on base percentage over 450, OPS of 1148, 11 home runs. He's also drawn 24 walks, um, which is you know pretty decent amount through only um, just over 100 at bats. Um, nine stolen bases as well. I mean, he gets on base, uh, he steals bases, he hits for for average, he hits for power. Um, it's it's everything you could really kind of be asking for in a, in a, in a fantasy player. And you just, you, you just love to see all of it. I mean, there, there's no real super concerning part of, of his game right now. Yeah. And most of the lists that I got back from our writers had Carol, at least in the one or the two um, spot. I think a lot of times uh, doing an exercise like this, we, you know, we tend to kind of say, okay, well, I got to, you know, Julio Rodriguez is number one and Wits too. So let me just kind of like get a guy up there. Um, but overall, Carroll was just overwhelmingly a, a top two, top three prospect um, in this exercise. Um, a couple of guys then let's mention that I saw on some other lists that did not make our top 10. And for whatever reason, perhaps we could talk about that. Um, but, uh, you know, Stoffer had Jack Leiter and Daniel Espino. In his top 10, Jack Leiter all the way at four. I was very tempted to Jack for, for Jack Leiter. I think he is uh, a very, very safe pitching prospect and when, in a world where there is not a lot of safe pitching prospects. Um, I don't know. I just, didn't, I just didn't feel like I wanted to put him over Yuri, and I didn't want more than one. Um, you know, he got roughed up in his last start um, yesterday, actually. Gave up six earned runs. Before that, very good, although the strikeout number is not insane. Um, for a guy that probably should be having just overwhelming stuff in double A. But what are your thoughts on Jack Leiter? How close was he for your top 10? Uh, he was close. Uh, he was in that uh, 11 to 15 uh, range for me. So I thought about it, but yeah, just kind of the early season, um, you know, the, the ERA and stuff not looking like as great to start. You know, I just kind of pushed him down a little bit and had a little bit more of the um, the really good contributors to to start off the year. You know, the guys who are really 
hitting well. Um, I, I kind of pushed them up over guys like, you know, even uh, Noelvi Marte. I didn't have him on my uh, yeah, top 10 great. list anywhere, um, you know, because he's not, you know, dominating, you know, quite as much as uh, some of these other guys. So I put them on ahead uh, of, of guys like that. Yeah. And in fact, uh, boss man Scott Green actually made his list based on results. So we'll talk about that list as well. But I uh, did want to touch on Daniel Espino. Uh, did get placed on the injured list here um, on May 4th. Now it is a knee injury. We don't get a lot of information in the minors, unfortunately. It's kind of like hockey injuries, uh, but for probably much different reasons. But yeah, so we do have the information. At least it's not his arm. But man, he was off to a just dominant start. Uh, 35 Ks and 18 innings to only four walks. So um, I understand him. I just never have been super in on the Daniel Espino experience. I think the fastball is very, very average for how fast it is, if that makes any sense. Um, Where, you know, I think he throws it hard, but it doesn't do much. And I think Mm -hmm. once he loses that, we'd be, you know, the, the longevity of his major league time is a little bit in question for me. Um, so he wasn't even any consideration, but does check in here. Number 10 for Stoffer, who also have um, Brady house and Brett Batty as his honorable mention. So interesting names there. Any of those guys you think about top 10 guys? Yeah, I thought about house uh, for a little bit. He was also close uh, for me. Um, you know, especially just kind of, you know, he's also off to a, a really strong start. I mean, he's hitting 323. Uh, OPS of 859, um, a few homers, um, but uh, yeah, you know, close, you know, another, another guy I considered, um, but uh, just missed the top 10 for me. So again, talking on Scott's list, his was interesting. He didn't give me his opinions. He gave me basically a stat based top 10, top five hitters, top five pitchers. Um, none of the names except one are on our top 10 list. So it's very interesting. Luckily for us, our number one guy is also number one for him, and that's Corbin Carroll. So if you're going by the statistics, Corbin Carroll is meeting the eye test, meeting all the, all the tests. And um, essentially, you need to get him somehow or the other. Um, other guys that showed up on his list, just to give you uh, an idea of how uh, you might be missing some of these guys. Estery Ruiz, a guy that I've been waiting to break out for years now, seems to actually be doing it. Um, Alex Ramirez for the New York Mets. There are a few Alex Ramirez's, so be careful with that. But the New York Mets, 19-year-old. Moises Gomez uh, and Ezekiel Tovar are the hitters on the list. And the pitchers here are fascinating because they are not on top 10 lists and a lot of them probably aren't even on top 100 lists um roy bear salinas a braves big boy um down there at number one throws like 105 and uh weighs 300 pounds I mean, it's amazing <laughs> to watch him um uh, another guy for the cardinals more of their devil magic i'm sure you'll appreciate gordon oh yeah Gracheffo, um has had a incredible a run here to begin. Andrew Painter has looked like the best pitcher on the planet because I don't think he's given up a run yet <laughs> in the entire year. Um, Yankees prospect Ken Waldenchuk and then Red Sox pitcher Brian Bello. So interesting names there. Um, none were even close to my top 10. Uh, let me ask you this. Any of those guys make your top 100 list going forward, do you think? Oh, God, I haven't even yeah, thought about that. Uh, maybe I'll just give a solid maybe as a cop yeah. out. I don't know. Yeah, I think Tovar probably would make mine as well as I think a ha- you have to put Painter on there until he gives us a reason not to. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah, I w- unfortunately, when I went to the game in Clearwater, I was not able to to see him pitch that day, which was unfortunate. Yeah, amazing. I mean, just incredible. It was, it was some time. other guy, some schmuck. <laughs> uh, I don't know. All right. Uh, as we run against the clock here a little bit, I, I won't have time to kind of go into everybody's list. I apologize. Um, would like to do that. Don't get me wrong. But just for the sake of time, some other I'll just go over some other names that I've, I'm seeing on other people. This Paul Ayton had uh, Francisco Alvarez. But again, me anti catcher. I would put Davis ahead of Alvarez as it is. But um, definitely another name to keep in mind. Super young catcher. Uh, you know, definitely need to keep an eye on him. Um, otherwise, Paul's list consisted of essentially everybody we mentioned as well. Um, what are your thoughts on Francisco Alvarez? He was another guy I considered. Uh, I think he's you know fairly close to that uh, that top ten there. Um, yeah, you know he's got the uh, 
the catcher side of it. Um, but, you know, really just kind of his start to the season wasn't as strong. You know, he's hitting 237 right now. Um, so that, that's just kind of what pushed him down. I, I think for me, just not hitting as well as, as some of these other guys are. Um, Michael Kelly did a disservice to us Braves fans by not having Michael Harris on his top 10. So I would like to call him out, especially if you listen to this whole podcast, he needs to be called out and, uh, you know, put on to blast there. Uh, he does have, uh, pretty much the guys we've mentioned otherwise, and he does have Carol at number one. So that's good. He had Jordan Walker at three. It's pretty interesting, but we had a nice con- uh, con- conversation about Michael Harris and how he needs to, to figure it out. Um, Doug Otto had perhaps the most surprising list that I got from anybody. Yes, he had Ezekiel Tovar, number one shortstop for the Colorado Rockies, in case you didn't know who that was. Again, maybe perhaps of a Zach Veen mold, where if he does make it up and it turns into Trevor Story, you know, you have a stud there. So uh, he's off, I mean, amazing stuff. And then Adele Amador as well, another Rockies position uh infielder who's having an incredible year comes in at number 10 for him um he also had curtis mead and mason Wynn in his top 10 what are your thoughts on those ezekiel tovar adele amador mason Wynn, and uh, curtis mead yeah those were not names i was considering at all <laughs> they were not uh, they were not on my radar for this um i mean i like those guys i i do i didn't have them in my top 10 for double air below um but uh they are First of all, guys, I, I do like Amador a lot. Yeah. Um, I, I think I've got him in uh, all three of my dynasty leagues. Um, but yeah, he's a. Uh, I like him. I wouldn't consider him, you know, top ten quite yet. But uh, I think with a little bit more time, he can certainly get there. Yeah. To be honest, I would actually take Amador over Tovar. Um, I think that there's a little bit more unknown perhaps with Amador, but man, he's got 24 walks to 17 strikeouts as a 19 year old in low a and hitting 312. So just fantastic stuff there, but uh, kudos again, getting some guys Mason win. I mean, they're off to incredible starts. You can't argue with the production that those four have meant uh, have done Mason win um, who I kind of gave up on almost. I'll just be honest entirely because of his debut, which was probably not fair, but he's got some of the most insane tools in minor league baseball that, Unfortunately, probably don't help you in fantasy baseball, but um, I'm more on that maybe later when Mason Wynn gets a little closer. But Curtis Mead, also uh, the Australian mate down there at Falls, pretty good. God, <laughs> Jesus, it's probably when we should wrap this up. Um, Greg Bracken, uh, good list here. He has Volpe at number one with Carroll at number two. I can't really get too mad at this, but he does have two guys that I did consider really, really closely. In fact, Luis Matos did make my top 10 at first, but with the production he's had this year, I sort of have been out. I I know everybody's sort of in on Khalil Watson. I don't quite understand it based on this year. Um, you can look at some of the basic stats and say, well, duh, like he's doing amazing things. And then I'm like, well, he also has 50 strikeouts in 112 at-bats. Yeah. So. Um, that is not good. No, no. That is I, have, 40, I have checked my games. notes and done the math, and that is, yeah, not good. Yeah. So certainly not something like Jordan Lawler's doing that's going to bump him up. In fact, it lowers him. If you, I mean, you had to have him at top ten at, at already. So I just don't, I don't see the Khalil Watson love yet. I mean, the tools are there for sure, but that's not good. Forty is not good. Forty percent is not good. But um, I, I definitely considered him. Uh, Jeremy May, he gave me actually a top 15 list because why not? I love it. Um, the only guy that we have not mentioned, uh, actually a couple guys on here. He has a bunch of Orioles guys, Gunnar Henderson, Colton Kowser, and Kobe Mayo uh, on his top 15 list. So some Orioles love there. If that is the case, the Orioles are set up pretty. I don't think I'd have Gunnar Henderson anywhere close, but Kobe Mayo. I could see on a top 10 list for sure. Yeah, you're a big Mayo fan. I do like Mayo. Yeah, I like Mayo over Henderson. I have said that numerous times, but. You like Mayo over over ham or turkey or or how do you like your. Well, (laughs) that's a weird question because it's one is a condiment and one is a meat. So it's hard to, to prefer turkey over Mayo, but I do like Mayo and mustard on well, I'm my talking like, uh, like on your sandwich. Yeah. Oh, got it. Yes. Okay. I thought, yeah. I thought you were making Jesus. me choose. <sighs> mayo by itself is pretty much a no, but mayo when combined oh, yeah. with other ingredients is almost always a yes. 
Yeah, man, I'm not I'm not an animal over here. No, also, I, I I misunderstood. Yeah, I, I guess yeah. yeah. But not, not so, yeah, just yeah, just freaking put a spoon into a tub of mayo. Like no, like that's not what I'm suggesting here. But I mean, uh, you don't understand because you don't. This this podcast is going off the rails. It is. Um, which we should end it. But again, to kind of wrap up here, getting back on a serious note as we finish up the podcast here, you can see that these top ten lists, a lot of the guys are on pretty much everybody's list in some capacity, right? You're going to see a Corbin Carroll. You're going to see Volpe. You're going to see Lawler, I think, a lot. You're going to see Hassel. But there's a lot of guys that, you know, I had Marte on. You did not. I had York. You did not. Um, you had Weimer. I did not. There's a lot of guys out there that uh, show you just how you know hard it is to get from AA to the big leagues, right? So there's a lot for these guys to prove. I think you should be very fluid with this list which I think, you know, Khalil Watson would love to move him up. I really would, but he's got to cut that down. And until he does, I'm going to keep moving him down. Um, a guy like Yuri Perez. Yeah, the, the strikeouts are just, they're just too insane to ignore. I have to kind of go against my rule and put a pitching prospect in the top 10. So hopefully that's what you kind of gathered out of this today, if nothing else. Be fluid with this list. You know, it's it's fun to think about these guys, but none of them are anywhere close. You know, I mean, Corbin Carroll is probably the only guy on this list we actually have a chance to see this year in real, you know, realistic sense. Although I think Michael Harris will also be up. You probably think Weimer can be up in some capacity, too, I'd imagine. But Dude, in, honestly, if he keeps hitting like this and I mean, if injuries pop up. Um, but sure. But if we were betting, if we were betting like hundreds and thousands of dollars, we would probably, no. you know, only bet on Carroll if if you had to. Yeah. And even that's not a guarantee by any stretch. So these guys are far away. But I think this is how you got to start thinking of, of top 100 lists now because you're not getting those guys that, you know, Julio and uh, Witt or, you know, the Grace and Rodriguez's of the world. These are the guys. Yeah, that the, yeah if you have them, you're not well. selling them. Yeah. So you can still go out and get that Ezekiel Tovar, who in some people's minds is a top 10 prospect, a number one overall prospect. And uh, you can get him for not having to pay the price that you normally would. So anyway, I'm very I'm you know what I'm interested for is also to see these major publications when they have to update, because we're getting to the point now. I think uh, what is Wit at? Wit's played almost essentially every day. Um. And uh, Julio, too, has been playing. Yeah, Witt has 118 at-bats. 118 at-bats. So, what, 150 is when we got to start getting them off? Yeah, I think that's uh, official. Or are we doing at-bats or plate appearances? I don't know. 130 130 is the major league thing, right? Sure. I don't know. All I know is that by the time... 130 at-bats. By the time our mid-season updates come out, he's going to be graduated. Yeah. Yeah, all the all these guys are going to be off, and so you're going to see a lot of these lists begin to look the same at this point because you have to have Wit and you have to have Julio and you have to have Adley and have to have Riley Green, you know, Torkelson in some capacity, Grayson even. So we're going to see a lot of variance going forward. So you got to get your publications you trust. Obviously, ours is your number one, and then you know you got to do some other you know trusting of other guys and and see what you like. So anyway, moving forward. Exciting to see, and we got more call-ups within the next couple of weeks, I imagine, as well. So, all right, David, I think that's going to do it for us. Uh, anything else you wanted to add to this? What's going on in your life? Uh, how are the Brewers doing right now? Uh, they're currently losing to the Marlins. Um, but, yeah. Um, so, we'll see on the health of Willie Adamas. Um, and per- who knows? Perhaps by next uh, podcast, we'll have Bryce trying up. Perhaps not. Yeah. Uh, oh, also, I do have an article that I'm going to be uh, writing today and should be getting up on Prospects 1500 fairly soon on a double-A prospect in the brewer system that uh, people should very much be keeping an eye on if they haven't already. Very nice. Yeah, I think I'm writing up Estery Ruiz. I think that's my next article as well. I want to dive deep into that. And uh, like I said earlier, just, you know, I've been waiting on him for a long time and sort of been waiting too long and I moved on, but um, might've been a mistake because he is off to an incredible start. But anyway, David Gasper, Alex Sanchez, your host here for Futures Focus. This is a podcast that is brought to you by Prospects 1500. Check out the site. 
you know, make sure you're following us for those prospect of the day tweets. Um, you're getting those. I think that's, it's just so fun to wake up to those each day and say, oh my God, you did what last night? That's insane. And then uh, to see a, random people have three home run days. You can't beat it. That's the minor league. So um, anyway, we'll be back with you next week. Um, David Gasper again, Alex Sanchez, Futures Focus. We are out. Thank you.